Welcome. You are listening to a sermon presented at the First Church of Christ in Elkins, West Virginia. This message is given by pastor and teacher Jason Brandon. Jason will be selecting passages from the Word of God and showing us how to apply God's Word in our lives today. He will also be showing us why we need Jesus. How can faith, God, and the Bible have more influence in your daily life? What is God saying to us today? For this and more, stay tuned. And so some trivia about mustard, some things that I've learned. Originally, from the Himalayan mountains, been used for thousands of years, but 90... Do you, does anybody know, Pat, Patch is my trivia guy, 90% of mustard comes from one country. Does anybody know what that country is? Not France. What? Thailand. Thailand. Great guesses. Good guess also. Canada. Canada. And half of that comes just from Saskatchewan. That's hard to imagine that effectively half of the mustard in the world comes from Saskatchewan. Um, it, it, mustards, I like, and, and mustard comes in different flavors, doesn't it? Um, spicy mustards and, and, and brown mustards and honey mustards and French Dijon. M- mustard is good as a spice. Mankind has used mustard for thousands of years. It is interesting to me then, knowing how useful it is as a flavoring, it's not a modern thing, that, that the Bible uses mustard and the seed of the mustard seed and compares the kingdom of heaven to mustard and our faith to mustard. They, they say that variety is the spice of life, but not biblically. Biblically, faith is the spice of life. So we go back to kids and french fries. Um, Potatoes. Potatoes need something. Whether it's ketchup or you're deep frying them as hash browns and tater tots or you throw on butter and cream cheese and chives. Sour cream, not cream cheese. Sour cream and chives. And you do, nobody boils a potato. Very few people. If you're one of the weird ones, that's, that's you. Very few people boil a potato and then just eat it like that with nothing on it, okay? Potatoes need something to be interesting. Pasta's the other one. You may give it to little babies, but after a bit, pasta by itself, boring, needs something, whether it's, whether it's uh, spaghetti sauce or even if it's just butter or olive oil or something. Um, spice? Spice is a big deal. The spice trade is what transformed earth. Uh, in, the day, in the days of travel, I mean, that's what Christopher Columbus was looking for. He was looking for spices, an easier way to get to the Orient, uh, to, to make food better, salt and pepper. These are things that move people. I mean, there, there are things that have changed our world. We don't like boring food. Uh, all around us, people are looking for something, something to spice up life, something to make life worth it. A reason to keep getting up in the morning, day in, day out, to keep going. People try money, pleasure, everything else. Everything that we try to fill our lives with. And they don't satisfy. And we know this. Because I I swear that the most miserable places on earth are Hollywood, D.C. These are the places where people are trying. hmm? New New York City. Yeah. 
These are the places where people are just are, are, are struggling to fill those lives. If, if power and fame and money and these things made people happy, Hollywood wouldn't be struggling with the, the rehab clinics and all these other things. We, we know we're here because we recognize that God has answers. Those things are just distractions. It is in God's kingdom that we find our destiny, who we were made to be. The reason we can get through life is because we know that this life is going to pass. It won't last. There's something better waiting for us. And so Jesus spoke to the people of his day who were wondering, what's this all for? And he spoke to them in parables, and a lot of the parables began with, the kingdom of heaven is like, and we find ourselves in Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, verse 31 He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all your seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast, that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. And so was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. So let's think about this just a minute. Backtrack, take a step back, look at the basics. The basics. You are a sinner. You have sinned. God hates sin. All sin is rebellion against God. And he doesn't want it in his presence. Why would he? Heaven is a perfect place. Why let us in? We are imperfect. My imperfection, being in heaven, ruins it. Uh, it, 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 it. if heaven is perfect and there is no sin, then, then I don't belong there. Well, see, I don't need just forgiveness from sin. I need more than that. I need no sin. I don't, I don't want to just be forgiven for the... A lot of people just want to be forgiven from the consequences of sin. We don't want to go to hell. But, but we need more than that. What God calls us to is getting rid of sin. And I can't do that. I can't do that on my own. The, the word gospel, the word gospel, the Greek word is where we get the word evangelize from. It's a Greek word, and it means good news. The good news that God sent Jesus to die for us. Why did he have to die for us? Because that's how the cleansing comes. It's not just forgiveness from sin. It's getting rid of sin in our life. You cannot say, I'm a Christian, and I don't want to go to hell, but I'm going to hang on to my sins. It's impossible. It's just impossible. That's not, that's not why Jesus died. He didn't die so that you wouldn't face your punishment. He died so that you would be able to get rid of sin from your life. Now, we can't do that on our own. We know this. If you could do it on your own, you wouldn't have needed Jesus to die for you. But the Holy Spirit is in us, transforming us. God loves you so much that he sent Jesus to die for you so that you could be restored to him. You know John 3.16. You know the, that verse, but we should... What's it? For God so loved the world 
that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. The Bible summed up in in just a few words. Little, Little sentence, but that sentence does so much, it gives us hope. It gives us our future. It tells us the good news that you matter to God and what you do matters to God and where you end up matters to him because he loves you. That message turned the world upside down. And I don't think that that's an accidental phrase when I say turned the world upside down. It, it, it literally did. In Acts chapter 17, verse 5, while Paul is in the city of Thessalonica, we read, But the Jews were jealous. And so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace. They formed a mob and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. When they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other brothers before the city officials, shouting, These men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here. And Jason's welcomed them into his house. And they're They are all defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. Some translations, the the caused trouble, say these men have turned the world upside down. It's an accurate phrase. Uh, The Bible, the gospel, has changed the world like nothing else and is completely opposite to the values of the world. It continues to turn the world upside down. One guy, 2,000 years ago, 30-ish years old, in a three-year ministry with 12 12 men following him. This This one man turned the world completely upside down. Just, Just a tiny seed. Just a little tiny ministry. Three years in a rather backwater, insignificant country in the Roman Empire. And now the whole world has hope. And we know the good news. That God has redeemed us should we accept the price that Jesus paid for us, for our sins. Have, have, have to qualify that. All, all men loved, not everyone is saved. And that's because of, we're given the choice to accept the gospel. So let's be clear on this. You are not the seed. There's this idea that we as Christians have to percolate in the community, and, 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 yeah, and, and we do. We, we want to be a part of our community. We are called to be in the world, and not, and not of it, but in it. Uh, I, I, but, but for the parable that Jesus is telling, you are not the mustard seed. Uh, you, let's remind ourselves, you are just a person. You can't save anyone, and you shouldn't. It's not your job. The seed isn't you. The seed isn't even the church. It's not about the church. And this is so important. It's not about you. It's never been about you. We, we live in the 20th century, 21st century. Boy, that changed on me a few years ago. We live in the 21st century, and we are such a consumer-minded culture. All about you. We, we just teach people this. It's all about you. And 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 be and do what you want to do and 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 live your truth and and you be you're the only one that matters and that's a lie that's the lie of the world that's satan wants you to believe that it is not about you definitely not in sunday morning services 
Sunday morning services, it's all about Christ. But to be quite honest, if you're a member of the kingdom of God, if you're a Christian, it's still all about Christ. The Bible tells us to put to death self. That's why the world is upside down, because the gospel message is the opposite of everything the world tells us. The world tells us it is all about you, and you've got to look out for number one. And the Bible says it's not about you at all, that, that you are called to be Christ-like, not, not Jason-like, not, not Ken-like, not, not Jerry-like. You, you've, got to be, you've got to be Christ-like, and only Christ-like, and we put to death self, and that's a huge deal. When the church or the people think it's about us, any of us, we lose the point. The kingdom of heaven is God's kingdom, and it comes through Christ, not us. We get to tell others about Jesus and his kingdom. We don't tell them about us. It's not about, be, it's not about getting the most attention. The kingdom of heaven is the gospel of Jesus. The kingdom of heaven is not you. And a little bit of gospel goes a long way, doesn't it? Just a little bit of Jesus in a Christian does wonders. Sometimes even that is a stretch. In, in Matthew chapter 17, starting with verse 18, we read these words. Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and he was healed from that moment. And then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, because you have so little faith. I tell you the truth, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. A little bit of faith goes a long way. So why did Jesus tell us this? I think, I think he was telling us that you don't have to have miraculous amounts, and you don't have to have, you know, we, we don't expect you to sell everything and, and, and live in a cave for the rest of your life. We don't expect you to, when you get off work, spend the next six hours in a soup kitchen seven days a week. We don't, we don't, we, you're not expected to do that. You are expected to try to be Christ-like. Um, not, and, and just a little faith goes so far. Because the, the seed, the seed is the gospel. The gospel has transformed the world. And that's implanted in you, it will transform your life. The seed is the gospel. So then in this parable, what is the tree? If, if the seed is the gospel, what does the seed grow into? As the seed grows and produces a tree, the gospel grows and produces what? You know, the smallest of seeds produces, in this parable, the largest of gardens. The tiny little gospel of Jesus Christ has turned the world upside down and produced the greatest of trees. So what is this greatest of trees on earth? It's the church. I'm going to say something that I hope nobody takes wrong. The U.S. isn't going to last forever. No nation on earth has ever lasted forever. Um, Everything falls apart because it's man-made. Nothing can last. The Roman Empire, the Byzantine Empire... Egypt under the Caesars, these were some long-lived empires. They fell apart. Now, I, I want to I emphasize again, I love the U.S. I think, that our repre- I, I think that our representative government is probably the best government that humans 
have pulled off. And I do believe that, that the, as the founding fathers were men of faith, I think that that influenced what they did. But God doesn't owe the U.S. anything. Uh, if we keep making wise decisions, I think we'll last. And if we make dumb decisions as a nation, I think we'll fall apart. Nothing that humans can do can last. But God built the church. And here we are 2,000 years later, and the church globally is the biggest it's ever been. And, I'm, and, and you're going to say, well, Jason, the population's climbing, so of course the church is climbing. Yes, but even percentage-wise, percentage-wise, something like one out of four, one out of five people on earth claim to be Christian. Um, that's a huge, that, those are the highest numbers in the history of the world. may not feel like that in the U.S. Uh, let's call it for what it is. The U.S. is increasingly a post-Christian country, meaning our numbers were better in the past when 60-70% of the country went to church on a Sunday morning, and we're definitely not at those numbers now. But on a global level, when we factor in Africa and India and China, what we're seeing is that the church is growing on a global level. The, the tree that the seed had, has produced can't be stopped because it's, the growth is from God. The kingdom of heaven is now on this earth today. We're, we're not waiting for salvation. The Bible says we're saved. In fact, the Bible, I've, I've shared this before, as I learned in college, there's the point that we are saved. There's the point when we say, um, I want to be a Christian. Peter tells us, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. There's a point that we are saved. I was, I was baptized 40-ish years ago, and I was saved. I am being saved. The Bible says I am to work out my salvation with fear and trembling. It is a process that is ongoing in my life. And there's a point when this life ends, and I get, and to be absent in the body is to be in the presence of the Lord, and there's a point that I'm really going to be saved. And it's done, and it's finished, and I don't have to worry about this. So there, is a, there are two points in my life and a line in between. And the Bible talks about all of those as salvation. But what that tells me is I'm not waiting for the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is now. We have his church. This is his kingdom. Something should then be said about what the church is and is not. I think you know this, but just to reiterate, this is not the church. I know we take a shortcut. And we refer to the building as the church. This is not, this is not the church. You. We. We are the church. Con- uh, the, the Greek word ekklesia means the called out ones. We've been called out of the world. That's who the church is. It's the people. It's not the building. It's not. We always blame, we always blame modern culture for this. This was a shift that happened ages ago. Um, I don't know about other languages, but as I, was, as I was working on my master's thesis and struggling through the Coptic language, the Copts would absolutely talk about the doors of the church. Well, if the church is the people, the people don't have doors, but it should be the doors of the church building. So this is a, this is a shift in thinking that happened 1,500 years ago at least. But we want to remember that we are the church, not, not the building. Uh, we are a community of faith that acts as God directs us, living a, that we are a vibrant kingdom, alive. 2,000 years worth of Christians around the globe in a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That's exciting to be a part of. Bigger, there are more Christians. That you, you can take the biggest populated country in the world, 
probably China, I'm assuming. And there are more people that claim to be Christian. And I use that word claim because there are a lot of people that claim to be Christian that aren't really following Christ. Um, but, but even for those that, that claim, and, and so it's, it's hard for, for us to give exact numbers on who's serious about their faith and who's just going through the motions. Um, but if we take those who claim, to be, who, who claim to be a part of the church, that's bigger than China. Uh, that's bigger than any country. What, what a joy to be a part of something that is bigger and more lasting uh, and blessed by God. So somebody's going to say, if I'm the church, I don't, I don't need to come to the building on Sunday, right? Well, that's not what I said. <laughs> In fact, if anything, I would argue, coming out of this, uh, still coming out of the t- what I hope is the tail end of this pandemic, let me say that if, if your health is a concern, let me, let me emphasize that there are people that, that stayed home, and I'm glad that they did. I wanted them to be safe. And that's why we've gone to the effort of putting the sermons online so that people can access them. However, the ideal is the fellowship of believers, that we get together in person, that we build each other up. The building isn't necessary, but getting together, I feel, is. I feel that the Bible commends this. It tells us not to forsake meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. The Church of Christ has turned upside down it is a worldwide kingdom such a tiny ministry that jesus that jesus did produced such the the greatest of trees the kingdom of heaven the church is now the mustard seed starts small but it grows up to become big and spreads and it multiplies and as the gospel grows within us we grow up and out. By up, we grow closer to God. In out, we share it with others. The church cannot help but grow if it is a biblical church. And so, that gets us to the third thing I want to say, which is to talk about the birds. Now, I used to be a locksmith in Urbana, Illinois. And I don't think they do this anymore. Um, Maybe they do. But around Thanksgiving time, they would do kind of a charity event that included a turkey drop where they would drop frozen turkeys from a helicopter in honor of the greatest TV line ever when Mr. Carlson said, as God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly on WKRP. Um, Hands down, should go down in history as one of the greatest lines in television. Um, uh, Turkeys, apparently, at least the ones raised in the U.S. and fattened up, don't fly. You know what I found out does fly? When I went to Papua New Guinea um, back in the late late 90s, uh, on, my, on my internship. I, we fatten up chickens in the U.S., but they can fly. Um, and, in pop, and, it was, and, and it is really disconcerting the first time that you hear a rooster crowing and you look around and see him up at the top of a tree. And chickens up in the tree. I didn't... I was 21 years old when I found out chickens could fly. I thought we bred that out of them. But not the ones in Papua New Guinea. They fly, and I, and I get it. Papua New Guinea is a, you know, the, the wild boars are dangerous there. People build walls around their their villages to keep the boars out. There are dogs, and and uh, for for a chicken, uh, life in Papua New Guinea is probably very harsh and dangerous. And I can see wanting to sit in a tree and avoiding a lot of that. Um, watching people have to climb into trees to get the chickens was kind of funny. Uh, I hanging out in a tree is, is, is safer. I get why cats enjoy trees. Um, uh, 
Peter. Peter, remind, Peter reminds us in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Why live on the ground where it's dangerous, when we can live in the tree, where it's safe, where we can take shelter? And and so we read in the back of the Bible, the last chapter of the Bible, Revelation chapter 22. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city, And on each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. The tree, the kingdom of God, is a safe place to be. It keeps us safe. It keeps us off the ground. It's big enough for all of us. We are the birds. When Jesus says, you know, and the mustard seed produces a tree that the birds nest in. He's talking about us. This, this tree is our home. And it's big enough for all of us. We have room for more. The, the tree is supposed to be our home. The church should feel like home. Now, again, this is not a reference to the building. This is a reference to who we are with. The congregation. Um, I... I enjoy, you know, you would expect me to enjoy visiting my parents, and I always enjoy visiting my parents. Um, But I will also say that my parents uh, do not live in the house that I was raised in. I never lived in that house. So the house always feels just a little bit alien to me. Pam's mom lives in the same house that she does when I met Pam and started dating dating her. Um, And that house feels very familiar, but it's not the house. I enjoy visiting Pam's family. Uh, I enjoy seeing her mom and her aunt and her uncles and, and Pam's sister and, and brother. I, they, they are my family. Um, they've been my family now for a number of years. And just like my own mom and dad and my sisters, um, Pam's family, th- there's just a joy in feeling them that I feel at home and I feel at peace around them and I appreciate them quite a lot. Um, uh, I... I know that they love me. Uh, I know that, that I'm safe with them. I, I, I don't have to worry about going there and, and, and trying to earn their love. They've been a wonderful family to me. Uh, marriage. Marriage is tough when you first get married. I mean, there's that honeymoon phase, and then you think, what did I get myself into? Can I, you know, can I, can I really live with this person for the rest of my life? Uh, and, and then we work through that, don't we? And there comes a point... In the early days when I was married, we would get into a fight, and I thought she's going to leave me. Um, I didn't know if she would or not. This was all new to me. And then there comes that point when you realize, I can't get rid of her. <laughs> she's not going anywhere. Uh, and I don't have to worry about that and stress about that anymore. The church should feel like that. The church should feel like a place where you are safe. There are different congregations. You know, some, some fit us as individuals better than others, but there's just one church. There are different branches, but there's just one tree. And, and that tree is our home. 
the world is not our home. All the stuff, money, all that stuff that you can't take with you doesn't matter. But the church matters. Being a part of the church should, should be a joy. It shouldn't be a chore. shouldn't be a hassle. The kingdom of heaven has been said to be a party, and I agree with this. It's a joy to be a part of it, a tree where the birds are, are living their best lives. Now, let me, let me also, though, point out just a caution. Um, homes are places where we grow. And when we're kids, growing isn't always fun. Parenting and punishing my daughter when she acts out is not something that I enjoy. I know that she feels safe around me and, and my wife. That doesn't mean there's not going to be discipline. Uh, when she's in the wrong, she needs to be called out on this. I had this delightful conversation with a friend of mine last night who is a, uh, she is a uh, clinical counselor in Wisconsin. And she had made the comment that she said, all of my patients need to know that I accept them unconditionally. She said, that doesn't mean I accept everything they do unconditionally. That's the gospel. (laughs) For for a non-Christian saying this, that's the gospel. God loves you unconditionally. Please don't confuse that with that he accepts everything that you do unconditionally. We've, We've bought into this lie in the U.S. that if you love me, you accept everything that I'm doing. That is not true. If you are not right with God, if there are things in your life that are, that are non-biblical, it is the job of the church to tell you that. That's what, that's what family does. When my daughter is misbehaving and is acting out of, out of line, it is my job as her father to call her on that. Uh, and, and, and if she won't change, there may even be punishment. I'm still growing up. There will be times when the elders say, Jason, you got this one wrong, and, and, and you need to change. And I accept that. I may not like it. It won't ever be comfortable. But we're all growing. We're all going to be called uh, at times to be, to step outside of our comfort zone. And, and, and sometimes when we're in the wrong, we don't want to hear it. But that's part of what family does. But we need to do it lovingly. We need to do it lovingly where people recognize even if, you know, where, some, where, where, where the elders can come to me and say, Jason, you were wrong on this, but, but we're glad that you're here. And, and, and we're glad that you're part of the church and, and, and we know that, that you'll get this fixed. In our lives, we're going to sometimes be called out in the church, but that's okay. It's still home. Home is where we grow. Love requires that. Growing is not always easy. Unconditional love, unconditional love is, is what the church is called to. Uh, John chapter 10. John chapter 10, verse 9. Jesus says, I'm the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pleasure. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. And have it to the full means living a Christ-like life, not living a Jason life, but but living a Christ-like life, which means that anything that is Jason and not Christ, that needs to go. There is peace and there is rest and there is hope and there is love in the tree. It's supposed to be home. Not everything in life will go your way. Following Jesus does not mean that life goes perfectly. But the chaos of life, in the chaos of life, Christ can offer us peace. The kingdom of God is for you. Yeah, why stand on the outside? Why, and, and my question would be, knowing you know, if, you're, if you're a bird in a tree... 
Why aim for the lowest branches when your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a lion? Aim for the highest branches. The, close, the higher up we get, the safer we are. To be the, close, the more Christ-like we are, the closer we are to God, the better off we are. The goal is not minimum. The goal is maximum. Maximum God. The closer we get to God, the more upward growth and the safer that we are. Our hymn of invitation today is hymn number 321. You are called to accept the gospel, the seed. We read this last week. The seed that God scatters, you choose. You choose the kind of soil that it falls on, path, rocky, thorny, or good soil. That's on you. We talked about that last week. You are called to perch in the branches of, of, of the tree that grows from the seed. But it is his tree. He is a Lord. And lordship is a word that people don't like today. We want to do things our way. Lordship is his way. If you have not accepted Christ as Savior, I want to talk with you. Thank you for listening. You can contact us at our website, firstchurchofchristelkins.com, where you can also find out more. Have a nice week.